The reading is taken from Genesis 44, verses 1 to 17, from the English Standard Version. Verse 44. Then he commanded the steward of the house, fill the men's sacks with food, and as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of the sack, and put the cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest, with his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph said. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away with their donkeys. They had gone only a short distance from the city. Now Joseph said to his steward, follow, follow after the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? Is it not from this that your Lord drinks, and by this that he practices divination? You have done evil in doing this. When he overtook them, he spoke to them. They said to him, why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money that we have found in the mouths of our sacks brought back from the land of Canaan. How could we steal silver or gold from the Lord's house? Whichever of your servants is found with it shall die, and we shall also be the Lord's servants. He said, let it be as you say. He who is found with it shall be my servant, and the rest of you shall be innocent. Then each man quickly lowered his sack to the ground, and each man opened his sack. And he searched, beginning with the eldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and every man loaded his donkey, and they returned to the city. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there. They fell before him to the ground. Joseph said to them, What deed is this that you have done? Do you not know that a man like me can indeed practice divination? And Judah said, What shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also in whose hand the cup has been found. But he said, far be it from me that I should do so. Only the man in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. Great, thanks very much. Let me just um, quickly share my screen. Well, it's good to be back with you again as we kind of conclude this, uh, this little uh, two-week uh, dual part on Brothers uh, Reunited. And because it's a, a short kind of lunchtime service and we're looking at big chunks of narrative, we're, we're only reading and we're kind of diving into to quite small kind of um, scenes as we work through these um, chapters. Um, I don't know... Uh, 
I don't know about you, but apparently over lockdown, uh, many have been turning to uh, DIY projects at home. Um, I have no DIY expertise whatsoever, um, but I do enjoy the kind of program that contains um, a kind of transformation challenge. And um, I don't know if you know the kind of thing that I'm talking about where uh, a family might kind of redesign their uh, living space and they get the architect in or perhaps the uh, interior designer and they look around and they come up with a transformation design. Uh, and every time when the camera cuts to the scene of them putting their designs into action, uh, the camera pans to kind of everything being ripped up, uh, wallpaper pulled down, carpets being uh, ripped up, perhaps even a sledgehammer comes in to knock down uh, the old wall. Uh, you see, to make a real transformation, uh, the designer, the architect, can't simply kind of tweak a, a little thing in the corner and, and that's it. It's not much point just uh, papering over a crack in the wall when the whole thing needs ripping out and starting again. But I wonder if you've ever watched those kind of programs and thought to yourself, that is a wonderful picture um, of the Christian life. Um, probably not, um, but that's what we're going to see this afternoon in these chapters. Uh, last week, we left Joseph uh, and the brothers around the table celebrating together. Remember, the brothers still don't know that this man in Egypt uh, is Joseph. They just think he's the top official of the land and a very generous one at that. We saw last week that Joseph tested his brothers, fearing that perhaps they've treated the favorite Benjamin just like they treated him all those years ago. And Joseph accused them of being spies to, to test them. And remember, they were put into prison for for three days and, it, and it's over those three days as they kind of mull on uh, all of their past um, that God has been at work in the mess, uh, that God has been at work to bring these brothers uh, to re realise their guilt um, for how they've treated Joseph uh, all those years ago. Uh, and then later as the brothers return to Egypt again in search for food and they bring Benjamin with them, Joseph sees that he's alive and well and he throws a great feast and that's where we left them last week, around the table, um, enjoying a, a lavish feast, even in the kind of context of uh, a famine in Canaan and the area. Uh, last week we had two points, uh, an accusation and an admission. And this afternoon we see another accusation, but this time a wonderful transformation. As we come to the final test um, of Joseph, and it's a big one. So firstly, the accusation. Uh, chapter 44 and verse 1. Joseph commanded the steward of the house, fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack, and put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest, with my money for the grain. You see the trap? Joseph is about to frame the favourite Benjamin to see if the brothers uh, will wash their hands of him just like they did 
with Joseph. Last week we saw how the brothers have recognized their guilt, but the question is, have they changed in response? And so they're, they're sent on their way with the silver cup set to frame Benjamin. And all according to plan, as the brothers leave, they get caught and sent back to Joseph because of the missing cup. And so verse seven, they rightly protest their innocence. Kind of the first time they're actually right in their innocence. So confident are they, did you notice, that Judah himself says, verse nine, whichever of your servants is found with it shall die. And we also will be my Lord's servants. So they open their bags, confident that the steward will find nothing, but then the planted cup is found and it's found in Benjamin's bag. Benjamin's the favorite. Do you see Joseph hands them on a plate the opportunity to once again do away with the favorite. The brothers could easily say, oh dear Benjamin, what have you done? You've been caught red-handed. You're banged to rights. And so you'll have to stay here and, and serve your lifetime prison sentence while we return home uh, well-fed and without the annoying favourites. That's the brothers that Joseph had known and experienced, the wrong side of. That's the brothers of chapters 37 and 38. But God has been at work. God has been at work uh, in the mess, as we saw last week, showing them their guilt. And as a result, we see that they've changed. As we see, God is at work, not just to show guilty hearts, uh, but to transform guilty hearts as well. And so Ju Judah pleads with Joseph, verse 13, as soon as I come to your father's house and the boy Benjamin is not with us, then as my father's life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die and we, your servants, will be brought down, would have brought down the great hairs of the gray hairs of our father with sorrow to shale. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord and let the boy go back with his brothers. You see how over these chapters, God has been at work through his man, Joseph, to show the brothers hearts for what they are. Um, evil, hard, stony, calloused, guilty. And this week we see the work of God to transform people as these broken individuals with, with all of their guilt and shame and uh, regrets and failings now come pleading on their knees before God's man Joseph, even Judah. Do you remember Judah, the, the one that kind of instigated making a prophet as they sold uh, Joseph into slavery. The Judah of chapter 38 and the sordid encounter with his uh, daughter-in-law, who then ends up getting pregnant. And as a result, Judah suggests that she be burned, not realizing that he uh, was the one that did it. And over these chapters, we've seen that God is in the business of working in the mess. 
He's in the business of working in messed up individuals, just like these brothers. Not just bringing people to recognize their guilt, like we saw last week, but changing them, transforming them as a result. And yeah, for the, for the brothers, that's uh, taken years. It's taken uh, pain and tears, and it's happened in a very unspectacular and messy way. But it has brought about the most spectacular change. As we see God's transforming work in Judah, transforming him from favorite killer to favorite protector as he wants to stay as a servant rather than Benjamin. Transforming him from a father crusher to a father carer. Transforming him from being, being self-serving to being self-sacrificing. What a turnaround. What a transformation. And notice that it leads to the most amazing reconciliation. Uh, chapter 45 and verse 1, then Joseph could not control himself. And, and what? Uh, angry, locked, locked them up and threw away the key as they admit their guilt? No, then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers and he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Then Joseph fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. What a reunion. All those scars, all the burden and guilt and shame and regret and despair that was weighing these brothers down, that has ripped this family apart, gone forever in a wonderful reconciliation. Friends, these few chapters of Genesis show us the work of God in messed up individuals, messed up individuals like these brothers, messed up individuals just like you and me. And and that's why the, the Transformation Challenge kind of TV programs um, are a picture of the Christian life. You see, we might think that all we need, all our hearts need, um, is a little papering over the cracks, um, a little kind of moving of the sofa to, to, to hide the stain on the carpet. But that isn't where real transformation is found. Because real transformation uh, is found in God's work of gutting out the old uh, and bringing in the new. To bring about real deep transformation that, that policy and laws and reform will, will never bring about. As God says in uh, Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers. 
and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Where is real transformation found? Well, it's found as we come to realize that we need more than a papering over the cracks. We need a transformation beyond anything we could do by our own strength and our own efforts. You see, that is no DIY project. We need an expert. As one writer puts it, it is the most counterintuitive aspect of Christianity that we are declared right with God, not once we begin to get our act together, but once we collapse in honest acknowledgement that we never will. And as we do that, just like Judah did, so the promise of God through Ezekiel all those years ago becomes a reality in our lives today as Jesus gives us his spirit to, to change us and shape us, to transform us uh, from the inside out. As he removes that heart of stone, uh, guts out the inside and starts afresh by his spirit and starts to transform us more into the likeness of Christ. So as we close, here are a couple of questions that I'd like to uh, leave us with um, to think about this week. Uh, firstly, uh, do we desire this work of the Spirit in us? Being made more like Jesus um, is a, a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing uh, to be made more like the most beautiful person to have ever walked the earth. It's a desirous thing. Are you asking God to be at work in you uh, by his spirit to make you more like him? Is there evidence of that work in your life? As Paul writes, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control. Beautiful qualities to have uh, and to grow in as the Spirit works in us. And are we showing off those qualities uh, as we live and speak distinctively for Jesus at home, um, on the Parliament estate, even around the opposition? Because doing so shows off Jesus. It shows off the gospel. And if God can turn around individuals like these brothers, then he can certainly do that work in us. And he can most definitely do that work in our friends and family and colleagues. Well, let's pray together. Father, as we come to you conscious of our sin, conscious of the ways that we are not the people we should be and that we are not the people we want to be, we praise you that you offer this wonderful work of your spirit to change us and to shape us. And we pray that you would help us to desire all the more uh, his wonderful work in our lives to make us more like the beautiful character of Christ himself. Help us to desire it and help us to uh, live it out, that we might show off 
the gospel. We might show off Jesus um, as we live and speak for him, uh, for your glory uh, and uh, for our eternal good. Amen.